0: Hey everyone welcome to episode 111 of the switch focus podcast i'm your host andy corrigan with me as always is andrew brown
1: hello uh
0: and we've got a, a pack show for you. we've got a couple of updates from last week's uh talkings in uh the cinder shadows fire emblem dlc and pixel cross adventure uh, i'm going to talk about some of the other dlc i've been playing uh, andrew's going to talk about the trials of mana remake uh, and treasure stack uh, and I've upgraded my racing wheel, so we'll we'll get into that too. Uh, so let's get right into updates from the previous episode. Okay, so uh, I have finished the Fire Emblem Three Houses Cindered Shadows DLC. Uh, I was part way through it last week, I described it as fine because it was basically just seven more missions and it sort of lacks the char- character development, um, both mechanical and story related, from the main campaign that I loved a lot. Um, but as I finished it, the last like at least two of the last three missions were would, would rank among my all-time favorite Fire Emblem missions. Absolutely adored them. Um, they were ones that strayed from the just kill every enemy uh, goal and gave you like interesting scenarios. So so one of them saw all the the new members of the Ashen Wolves poisoned, uh, and you had to protect them, keep them healed, stop them from getting attacked while you worked to stop the poisoning effect. Another one had me being chased relentlessly by uh, much higher level like golems and you had to get through this dungeon within a set number of rounds, you had to navigate all these gates, you had to lock off other factions of enemies so they would fight against each other uh, and the whole thing was just exhilarating uh, and had me agonizing over every move. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that a lot but and because Because of that, by the time I'd finished it, I was like, "Mm, maybe I do want to start another playthrough of that campaign. And that second half of that DLC is also where a lot of the new characters really clicked for me, particularly Yuri, who's the leader of the Ashen Wolves, because he's a lot of fun to use. He's got a lot of mobility, uh, not least because of his speed stats, but also because he starts with an item that allows him to move after you've completed his action. Uh, And then you can cross that with his uh, ability called Foul Play, which lets him swap places with anyone within a particular radius. Uh, and that opened it up for me to do some really creative moves. Uh, I could use him to get, like, powerful units really high up the field really quickly to attack the enemies, and then still get him to relative safety or, or pull vul- vulnerable units out of precarious situations. Had a lot of fun with him. Um, foul play or an equivalent could be in the base game. I can't remember, but I certainly had to... didn't... Uh, I certainly never had to use it. Uh, here, a lot of the missions seem centred around it. Um almost in a, a, a puzzly way so yeah uh, first half of that game was like yep yeah, it's okay second half stellar uh, completely reinvigorated invigorated my passion for that game so pixel cross adventure uh, did you finish it?
1: I haven't finished it yet this is a pie cross game so it's a good 30-40 hour game <laughs> just to get through every puzzle Um, But I'm deep enough into it now, I'm 50% plus done with it, that I think I'm at my final comments on it, and I'll probably finish it up in the coming week. But I am running into some issues with it. Uh, As I described last week, it has those interface problems that make solving the puzzles a bit harder than it really needs to be. But even still, these are very easy pie-cross puzzles. Uh, I'm concurrently playing... A new entry in the Pi Cross S series, and just the picture quality in terms of like how much texture is in each picture and how much detail between the two series is night and day. <laughs> the pixel cross, uh, it's certainly not as bad as like the Nonogram Prophecy game I played late last year, where a lot of the pictures I was solving was literally clip art, but. It definitely has much simpler pictures. And then there's a freezing problem I've run into a few times. good half dozen times now where the game is just completely locked up and I've had to quit to the Switch dashboard and reboot up the game and start the puzzle I was on over entirely. That's never a good time. And it also has a fishing mini game. For some reason. <laughs>
0: I, I saw you raging about this on Twitter.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. There's a beach area you go into that has a fishing rod puzzle you can solve, then you can fish. And it's not nonogram puzzle fishing. It's it's a fishing minigame. And it's like, why is this here? This is completely incongruous with the rest of the game. It does not fit. At all. It is a timing, clicking, button-spamming, fishing minigame in this game built around solving nonogram puzzles. I, I It does not make any sense. But there <laughs> it is.
0: Um, and don't they make a lot of jokes about, like, uh, pointless add-ons to video games and loot boxes and all that and at the same time have this weird fishing offshoot?
1: Yeah, there's... uh. A theme park area you go into. One of the things that's in the theme park is a loot box that you, you solve and open it up and there's a coin inside. I haven't found out what the coins do yet, but I'm, it's part of 100% completion. And uh, Scorchan makes this sarcastic comment it's like, oh, loot boxes, these are in everything now. It's like, <laughs> you've got a fishing minigame, so <laughs> slow down, buddy. And then also there's an arcade Puzzle, an arcade machine puzzle. Uh, Scorchan makes this comment about it, it would be nice if you could play this, but I guess we can't count on the developers to put an entire other game in this already complete game. And it's like, again, fishing mini game. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so, uh, so, not the best nonogram game you've played, then?
1: It's a fine curiosity, you know, as far as having this area that you have to explore to find the nonogram puzzles in but you know I'm still having to do every puzzle that I find uh, just to make sure that I'm a high enough level to solve the high end puzzles that require a certain level to be solved and also to find the items I need to open doors like at one point there was a fallen tree blocking my way so I needed the chainsaw I had no idea where the chainsaw was at so I just had to solve every puzzle until I found it (laughs) so even though there's this area you can explore there's not really a great deal of agency or choice in which puzzles i can i can choose to solve or choose to pass up i have to do basically everything just to do minimal progression so as an rpg there it's kind of got some rpg elements to it that in that sense and it's, it's not the best
0: okay so with that let's move on to the latest switch news Again, Nintendo, uh, surprise dropped uh, what is possibly the final update for Mario Maker 2, uh, including a, a bunch of new tools, uh, including a way to make your own world so people can actually string together pretty much entire little custom Mario games. Uh, I myself had not had time to jump into it. I, I thought it was amazing and made note to jump in and then just completely forgot about it. Uh, have you had a chance to look at it?
1: I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, although it has certainly made me feel really bad about how little I play Mario Maker Mm. 2 these days. Yeah, at the same. Yeah. If I was not spending my my downtime playing PyCross S again, I would definitely be playing Mario Maker 2 right now, uh, because this update looks amazing. It's not quite as great as that one they put out in December that added Legend of Zelda content to it, but... Like the long rumored Super Mario Bros. 2 content was added. It wasn't a completely new tile set like some people believed it would be. It's just some new enemies and a new power-up that gives you Mario slash Doki Doki Panic based abilities. So I'm sure there's a whole new genre of challenge levels out there involving all the amazing new things you can do by being able to stand on enemies and pick them up and throw them. And then there's a whole host of of new enemies. Uh, the All the Koopalings are in the game now, so I'm sure the, the new troll-level tactic is to go through a door and suddenly you're fighting every Koopaling at the same time. What fun. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, it definitely has reinvigorated my interest in Mario Maker 2. I need to come back and play this game more <laughs> during my... My downtime when I'm not playing a game for the podcast or playing a game for review.
0: Cool. Uh, So let's uh, move on to what we've been playing this week, uh, because that segues nicely with it being DLC, and I'm going to talk about some DLC, so uh, yeah, let's jump into that. Okay, so uh, after finishing the Fire Emblem DLC, I was looking through the other things that I got the system, uh, sorry, got the season pass for and uh, one of those was uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. Uh, I liked the base game a whole lot uh, last year and sadly the DLC is largely a disappointment. Um, So I'll I'll just run through the packs and and give you an idea of what you get. Uh, So the first one was Curse of the Vampire, so you got uh, four new characters, Blade, Morbius, Punisher and Moon Knight. Uh, it added in a new mode, which was a uh, gauntlet. So they give you like a, a number of challenges where you you can't heal or change characters in between. Um, and for the first four, you unlock one of these new characters each time. Um, and then they also added in a nightmare mode, which is like a remixed version of the main campaign, where enemies have like vampire powers, um, mainly for returning players. Uh, and they you know they give you like a a level forty or up warning before you jump into that, because uh, there was no real story content there, I, I spent no time on it, so let's move on to the next one, Rise of the Phoenix, uh, which is their X-Men related packs so and new characters, is Is Phoenix, uh, Cable, Gambit, and Iceman, who I love in particular because I grew up on the cartoon Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, so I did have a soft spot for him. Largely the same, you get another Gauntlet mode, same principle as the first one, but based entirely on x-men characters and then there's a a danger room mode which is the game's first proper PvP Ew. multiplayer mode um so it's described as an ever-changing obstacle course where you're the the group of four are split into two um and you battle across multiple rounds and whichever team clears the final round first wins the game so it's kind of like a fighting race. <laughs> is the the summarized way I can think to describe that, um, and you can get mechanics. There's mechanics to get power ups and uh, things to hinder the opposition and, and stuff like that. So it can get get a bit messy. Uh, you can play against AI. That is not fun to me. So again, little time spent in this DLC pack. Uh, and then that brings us to Shadow of Doom, which is the Fantastic Four themed DLC pack. Uh, lots of new characters in this one, not just four, uh, but six. So you get Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic, Sue Storm, aka The Invisible Woman, Johnny Storm, the who- who's the Human Torch, Ben Grimm, aka The Thing, uh, but you can also unlock Doctor Doom and Thanos by doing some uh, high-level stuff. Uh, the good one with this is, finally, it's some story content, it acts as an epilogue to the main story. Uh, it's super short, as uh, just like, you know, four small levels, uh, topped off with four bosses um it, not overly interesting but the only real upside for this was the fantastic four themselves they're functionally a, a preset team that have all the the tools you need to beat all the levels and they all have unique and interesting powers that intersect really well um one of your complaints in particular from the base game was that a lot of the characters just felt the same uh, which i agreed with uh but these four do actually highlight how different they can play. So, like Mr. Fantastic is stretchy, so he's got he's not just got his long arms, but he can turn into a wheel to you know drive through a bunch of enemies. He can float when you jump to avoid attacks. Uh, the torch is just pure flight. He does this amazing attack where he does a circle of fire, which is just constantly damaging enemies. And you know on top of that, he can throw fireballs from afar. Uh, Sue Storm. Uh, was not what I thought she was going to be, she's a very good defensive character, so you can put up force field blocks and put barriers around your characters. Uh, so she was interesting. Uh, the Thing was actually the least interesting part, uh, you know, play similar to the Hulk, but you know, it's just a solid tank character, but as a foursome they, they work together really well. Um, and you didn't have to unlock them in, in a side mode here, you you do the first level and you just get given them, and you can go nuts with them. Um. And, yeah, they were the most enjoyable thing about it. The level levels weren't particularly interesting, uh, and it just capped off a disappointing uh, round of DLC for a game I enjoyed. It does sort of mirror Fire Emblem's DLC path, where you get the season pass, and they just sort of fill it with a load of, you know, non-essential stuff, and then one story pack. That seems to be a Nintendo trend that I've been noticing. Yeah, I... I, I From Nintendo, published stuff as well, I I just expect, you know, more interesting DLC, and and maybe I shouldn't. Uh, Yeah, so that was that. Uh, You've been playing a game called Treasure Stack. How's that?
1: Treasure Stack is a puzzle game, like literally a dropping squares puzzle game that I've had my eye on for quite some time, but I've always put off actually getting it because it's a full-priced indie game and dropping square puzzle games are the type of game I usually play for a couple hours and then never touch again. So that that price was kinda hard for me to swallow, but it finally went on sale for about four dollars, so I thought, what the heck, uh, this looked cool, so I'm gonna try it and maybe it'll really click with me. And what treasure stack is is you play as this thief person running around in like literally a, a Tetris style playing field and the puzzle pieces that are dropping down towards you from the sky above are actually treasure chests and keys and you have to match up the colors of the treasure chests with the keys uh, to get them to open and then you get some coins and the chests will disappear and everything above them will drop down you know a, a typical you know tetris style thing and If you can match up multiple colors of chests or keys, then they'll all disappear, and as you're playing as this thief person, you can actually pick up entire columns and move them around, or if you're able to jump up high enough, you can grab just a few chests. So it's basically a sorting game where you're trying to sort everything by colors as best you can by platforming around in a Tetris field, and the character also has this hookshot that you can use to grab things out of the sky so you can get them to where they need to be a lot faster, but I found most of the the puzzle elements in this actually came from finding the most efficient way to actually move around the playing field and get chests where you want them to be, that way they're all sorted, and after the end of every match, it takes all the chests you've opened and all the coins you got from them and adds them all up into a new total, and when you reach, like, a certain number of coins, you unlock either a new character to play as, and it's completely cosmetic, but there's a lot of really weird characters. Like, you can uh, unlock a lot of different fantasy archetypes, but then there's weirder stuff. Like, one character was this person with bunny ears for some reason, and I'm sure there's a (laughs) whole host of wackier things you can unlock. And also, you can unlock new hookshots, which... You know, various different shapes of hookshots and then things like dragon heads and uh, skeleton head was another type of hookshot I unlocked. So that's all just cosmetic stuff just to show that you played the game and you've unlocked these random rewards, just this little, you know, drip feed of unlocks to reward you for actually playing the game it seems to be mostly focused on kind of a competitive multiplayer like that that's where the real thrust of it is it wants me to go online and play this game against other people and you know the more chests i open and higher combos or in higher numbers on my side of the field the more garbage it dumps on my opponent Uh, i'm not really interested in that kind of stuff as i've described in the past when i play puzzle games i just i I play them as a, uh, think of them as a solitary experience, especially in a Tetris mm-hmm. style game. But this game does have a single player mode called Zen Mode, which is literally just an endless game. Like, it does not end. I have to quit out of this mode in order to get out of it. Uh, <laughs> but it does give you side quests to do. Like, it, uh, at the start it asks me, like, gives me a side quest like, open three red chests at the same time. And it'll give me bonus coins if I do that. And then it just kept escalating higher and higher and higher until it got to the point where i had to open like 18 chests at once and i just i was not skillful enough to do that but i actually played that for over an hour and i had a pretty good time with it as far as just you know killing time and earning a ton of coins from this mode and getting a lot of new unlocks zen mode kept me pretty well engaged and if i didn't already have a billion other games like Pycross cross s and super mario maker 2 that i want to be playing uh during my downtime like i could easily see zen mode in treasure stack filling that same hole but i just have too many other things to play right now but i think (laughs) if you're into competitive multiplayer like dropping block puzzle style puzzle games treasure stack seems like a really solid choice actually
0: Nice. Uh, I remember that one now, and it was one that I had my eye on. Uh, I hadn't even realised it had come out, to be honest, but yeah. Okay, uh, just a brief mention, so Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, the Donkey Kong Adventure. Um, I'm only like three or four levels into it. Uh, I I have no idea how long it is. But uh, yeah, it took me a while to get back into how it works, uh, but I really forgot what a great game Mario Plus Rabbids is. Really enjoying Donkey Kong as a character. In these early stages, he feels a bit overpowered. Yeah, um, he's super. (laughs) Ah, good. Uh, Because it's enjoyable. It's just one of those where it it feels broken, but enjoyably so. He's really versatile. A lot of range. His attacks have massive range and uh, big damage on them. And I'm really looking forward to expanding out those skill trees. Do you get other characters joining you on this one? No, you
1: use Donkey Kong rabid cranky kong and rabid peach through the whole yeah dlc and that's the only okay. choice that you get which i actually kind of appreciated after playing the base game which had a whole host of characters you could play as but i found that like rabid mario and rabid luigi were the only characters i ever actually used because they were <laughs> they were so op but uh yeah the, the a lot of the mechanics in donkey kong adventures seem especially around rabid cranky uh, seem specifically made to address the balance issues in the base game. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, I enjoyed it. Can you remember how long it was? I finished it in a night, so I don't think it's more okay. than four or five hours.
0: Nice, hopefully I'll have it done this week. But yeah, um, really good to jump back into that. Uh, yeah, I, I hope we get a sequel to that at some point. Yeah, uh, other than that, so it's another Andy plays with the peripheral week. Um, so, a couple of weeks back, uh, after andrew got one for christmas i got the mario kart uh hori steering wheel pro mini I uh, had a lot of fun with that um but i've cuz i've been playing grid i've been like i've had an itch to get the bigger wheel uh finally did it this week um i was agonizing over it left right and center um and my wife has now inherited the mini wheel from mario kart uh so yeah so i've got the the Pro Deluxe wheel now, so uh, build quality, as we discussed previously, was obviously going to be better, the wheel itself is bigger, it's got rubber grips on the sides, there's a firmer feel to the uh, turning, the mechanical turning, and it's got bigger, more realistic uh, pedals, um, which in our discussions behind the scenes, that was one of the reasons you've been kind of wanting it as well. Another massive improvement over this is there's two ways to mount it. So the mini wheel uh, only had the suction cups, which I had on a little you know like laptop stable table, um, but it kept sliding as I moved, and I ended up having to like keep it firmly in place with strong velcro. Uh, the the bigger wheel you can actually clamp uh, to a sturdy table, so that that's much better. You've got no no chance of the the wheel sliding while you're trying to do a turn or anything. Um, and it also comes with a bunch more customization options so it's got like seven or eight settings for Dead Zone it's got sensitivity settings, it's got two steering ranges so it defaults to like 270 degrees turning range Uh, and you can change it to match the mini wheels range, Uh, they call it quick turn, Uh, that takes it down to 180 degrees Uh, so with all those settings it does take a little while when you start a racing game to sort of get the the settings right uh, and the feel right but um you know having that range of customization is never a bad thing because you can sort of tailor it to how you want there is an extra button for item that's specifically for for mario kart um criminally whereas the mini wheel has a horn button for the item management uh, the mario kart logo on the the on the Deluxe wheel is not a button at all Uh, so they've moved that to the side and one of the slight issues I've been having is the uh, ZL and ZR button have been moved from the center to the wheel itself and but they're in a place where I keep pressing them by accident Um, I'm mostly using this wheel at the moment with grid autosport that's causing me problems because those buttons are the ones used to ask your teammate to push harder or or drop off or just hold their position so yeah so with that my experience with it with grid autosport took me ages to figure out the settings to get the turning feeling right. It was either, you know, the dead zone was too high or it wasn't sensitive enough and it it took me ages to sort of get those two settings to meet in the middle. Uh, But it has improved my experience with the game quite a bit. The wider turning angle makes it feel more realistic. Um, And the analog acceleration setup uh, is so much better with these pedals because they've got more... Uh, travel space, so you can really ease onto uh, acceleration around corners now or ease into the brake. That, that's that been a big improvement with this game. I uh, haven't had a chance to try it with Mario Kart yet, kind of reluctant to change the custom settings at the moment while I've got it so perfect for grid, so I'll, I'll report back on that another time. Uh, yeah, so that's it. So you still interested in getting that wheel, Andrew?
1: Yes and no. I, I want it just because I want it. But I, I, I think I would underuse it. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really resisting the urge to to just just impulse buy it. But it wouldn't surprise me if I have one eventually.
0: Yeah, I got it for a good price, and yeah, it, I I wanted something to get me back into grid because I dropped off a little bit over the past couple of weeks. So it, it's done that at least. Um, and grid is a long game. Uh, which I'm you know chipping away at bit by bit. Uh so if if I if I beat that entire game I'm going to consider that money well spent because it, it has elevated that experience for me so yeah. Um interesting to see how it'll go settings wise with Mario Kart. It should just work by default um you know because it's made for that game but yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to it later. Uh, Okay, so the final game uh, that Andrew has been playing is the Trials of Mana remake. Uh, I know you just recently replayed the original as well. Um, So how's the newer, prettier, more modernized version? Uh,
1: Unlike the Final Fantasy VII remake from the same publisher and probably not the same developers because Square Enix is just an absolutely ginormous company now but anyway Mm -hmm. uh, it's not like a remake like that game this is a pretty faithful recreation of the entire Trials of Mana original game which was finally released outside Japan in the collection of Mana last year and I talked about it in I think an episode last September, last October if you want to go back to that episode, but it's a game that was a Super NES game, Super Famicom game, and is playable. And it's it's interesting to play it because it, it was this big hole in the Mana series that never got localized. So it, everywhere else, it jumped from Secret of Mana to Legend of Mana, a Super NES game to a PlayStation One game. That was a pretty big gap, but there was this other mystery game and. It's playable, it's interesting, but it's got a lot of problems, (laughs) Uh, including how opaque the game is. There are a lot of mechanics that the game never explains, and a lot of information you need when you're developing your party that the game never explains. So a real problem I had in the original was I wasn't having a great time playing it until I finally gave up and went online and looked up a guide explaining what all the characters are and uh, what abilities they get and what stats I should give them so they can learn these abilities. And the biggest, most immediate improvement in the remake is all of this information is given to me right at the start. So... At the start, I'm choosing a party of three characters from six total available characters. You choose your main character, which determines the story that you will see and the final boss that you will eventually face, and two of their companions who just have a little bit of a flavor that they add in for side stories, but they aren't really the narrative thrust of the game, and it actually gives you Not only a description of who the character is and where they come from, but also what abilities they use and how they fight. So, uh, I'm not having to try to cobble together a party using one-word job descriptions. I actually know, if I choose uh, Reese, that she learns summoning and support magic later on. Which, there is no way to know that in the original game unless you play (laughs) as her for 12 hours, which sucks. Uh, But anyway, um, as far as learning abilities, when they level up, I can allocate level up points that they get into one of five categories, and it actually shows me in each category, if I put two points into this category, this character will learn this skill. Or if I put four points into another category, the character will learn this skill, and this includes all their magic spells, uh, which were all in the original game, but they also all have passive abilities now which really subtly change up how they play like uh, one character can learn an ability that will increase all the healing that items do with my characters by 10 percent and those all scale over time and there's also weird like link abilities i think they're called that i learn just by talking to random npcs and then they will teach me skills as well, so there's real real incentive to really go out there and explore and talk to everybody, and as far as exploring, this is a remake of a Super NES game, so the world is much bigger, it's more detailed, and it's a lot easier to explore, because in the Super NES game it was just the standard, you know, screen by screen by screen, each screen was roughly the same size, and you fought and you fight all the enemies that are on it, you move on to the next screen. That's really all there was to Trials of Mana, was fighting all the enemies on the screen, then moving to the next screen, and working your way through semi-mazes that weren't very big, but could be kind of confusing, because everything looked the same. Uh, that is completely gone now. It's uh, Each area is just one map, one large map area, that you can explore with a little some side areas shoved in it and there's all kinds of chests to explore and there's a a new activity with finding a little cactuar who is this mascot that was introduced starting in the Legend of Mana game Uh, if I can find 50 little cactuars in the game then I get rewards along the way for every 5 ones I find it's kind of like the mini medals in Dragon Quest 11 in that way Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, so I've really enjoyed playing this game and finding that there's there's so much more to explore and there's a reason to explore and things to find now because that was it wasn't really a complaint that I had with the original one because it was a super NES game that's what RPGs were like back then especially. Action RPGs but there's a lot more to explore now in this remake and as for the combat uh, in the original game like it was literally holding down the attack button in my character would attack automatically. And I could also cast spells from a pause menu, basically, that would freeze the game and let me target items or spells where I needed them to be. Now the game is played mostly in real time. Uh, I don't hold down a button to attack anymore. There's a full combo system with weak and heavy attacks, and I can also charge my heavy attack to break through shields that some enemies have on them that they're basically invulnerable until I bust this shield down. Uh, And when enemies use abilities, they leave red little damage fields that I need to avoid. Uh, So that addresses another big problem that I had with the original game was enemy spells, you couldn't avoid them. And the deeper into the game you got, the more happy enemies were to just spam you with magic. So by the end of the game, I was... I was feeling, and not just feeling, because I actually was uh, spending more time watching enemy spell animations that froze the game while they played out, and I could not avoid them. Uh, Spending more time watching those than actually playing the game. That that's no longer the case in the remake. Uh, All magic. Uh, The game does pause when I'm targeting my own magic, which is great because it might be too hard if uh, the game was still playing when I'm trying to target a healing spell, but once spells are casting, it's all played in real time and they all target specific areas. So some of those abilities in the original game that could wipe out my entire party in one attack and there was literally nothing I could do to avoid them except to make sure that my characters were healed up enough that they could survive it. Now, if I can just stay out of the red damage zone, then they won't get hit by that attack. So as an action RPG, it's a lot more sophisticated. It feels a lot more like a recent game, but it does still follow the plot of the original game and the basic structure of the original game. I haven't really encountered anything completely new except for the little cactuar system, but I have seen some hints here and there of things that are new, that hopefully after I get deep enough into the game, there will be some new activity I can explore, but I've only seen hints of it. I could be misreading what I'm seeing there. But as a fan of the Mana series, and I, I, I enjoyed the original Trials of Mana even though it's been 25 years since it was made, so obviously it's not up to modern standards in many ways. Uh, I think this is a much more accessible product by modern standards. I've been really enjoying myself with the remake. I think if you want to play it uh, just on its own standards, on its own terms, you're going to have a much better time with this game than you did with the Trials of, with the original Trials of Mana and the Collection of Mana. And if you have played the Collection of Mana or if you played the Seiken Densetsu 3 ROM at any point in the past 25 years, I think you would still enjoy this because it, it's all familiar. It's all building on the systems that were in the original game and the plot that was in the original game and all that. But it, it is really expanding them. So it does feel like a completely new product, even though I already know what's going to happen next and where I'm going next because I have played the original a couple times now. Uh, so there are no surprises in that sense, but I'm still enjoying it because when I do go to the next area that I already know it's there, it's a completely new area to explore and I haven't finished it yet, obviously it's, it's a new RPG, it just came out yesterday, although both times I played through the original, it was a good 20-hour experience to finish the whole thing. I'm about 13, 14 hours into the remake now, and I'm only a third of the way through the game. So this feels like it's going to be a good 40-hour RPG. Uh, so we'll see how long it takes me to finish it. I think it'll probably take me two or three weekends. But I'll, I'll check back in after i finished it with my, my final thoughts. But initial impressions are very good it's so great to finally play a new ish mana game that doesn't suck
0: nice so yeah sounds interesting um the only reason i haven't picked it up is because uh i i haven't finished the anything on the collection of mana yet um i reached the first dungeon in the uh final fantasy adventure slash mystic quest game um and i just don't have that nostalgia for it so i'll pick it up later i think so It certainly looks good. Um, So, okay, with that let's uh, move on to our Animal Crossing village visit. Okay, not much really to report this week. Uh, I was gonna just skip the thing until Nintendo launched a new update for Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, included two new uh, salespeople, so we've got Leaf, who comes to your island and sells you seeds and uh, shrubbery and all that sort of stuff and he gives you a better price for your weeds than uh, Nook's Cranny does Um, and then you've got the shady art dealer Red who will sneak in in the back of your island um, and sell you art, some of which is real some of which is fake uh, which you can then give to the museum so with with that i've uh, i've given blathers my first art piece and he's managing the museum upgrade at the moment so i haven't been able to assess my fossils today which is super annoying uh, i'll do that tomorrow and uh, yeah in, enjoying these additions uh, the stuff that leaf is selling has uh, given me a bit more creativity with some of the areas i was building on my island um i haven't hit the nook's cranny up Day- yeah i know you hit that the other mm-hmm. day or yeah yesterday. Uh,
1: there's a 30 day delay on it and you also have to have spent a certain amount of money mm. at the store before it will upgrade i think that's your problem since you weren't buying things for a long time bad move yeah but uh yeah once that 30 day time period is up if you've been a diligent customer it should go through automatically
0: nice uh, my wife hit it today so yeah she should have the updated store tomorrow um Okay, yeah. So last week was the first week I was able to buy turnips. Um, so I was trying to ride out the week, um, seeing who got the best prices between me and my wife. None of them were particularly great. Uh, and then friend of the show, Tori, uh, had a a good price, four hundred. Wow, mod.
1: I've never seen higher than two hundred.
0: Yeah, well, we we both jumped onto Tori's island, and uh, I I raked in over well over a hundred thousand i can't remember the exact amount i think it was like uh sorry hundred and forty thousand so I, I banked a bunch put a load on my current mortgage and then uh, yeah i completely forgot about the turnips today so no turnips for me so i can't be part of that whole uh excitement um did you see the story about uh elijah wood yeah mm-hmm. approaching a fan <laughs> that, that was funny and super polite as I would expect him to be from everything I know of him, that's probably not true. Well, and
1: also, you know, interacting with fans without an agent present or without his security yeah. present. Yeah, I'm sure he was on his best behaviour. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: A nice nice little story. Pretty funny. So yeah, so that's me, um I'm, I'm up to two stars, just trying to push over. Isabel just wants me to plant flowers everywhere to to get up to that final star um just haven't got that i want to redevelop my little park area that i was doing uh so how are things going on your island
1: well last week i described how i was kind of trapped in an equilibrium on my island because i i was trying to get my island to a three star rating because that's when kk slider visits and that's when kk slider starts his weekly visits and dang it i just realized i forgot to talk to him on my saturday night now that he's here but now he's here so i've technically beaten the game now. I technically could stop playing if I wanted to, but I don't want to. I do want to keep playing Animal Crossing in the long term. Uh, (laughs) I just kept buying the little adornments from the Nook Miles station for my island until Mm -hmm. it got to whatever arbitrary, you know, like point total is going on behind the scenes that I got to three stars. It's like I bought a bunch of vending machines (laughs) that I put up just outside mm-hmm. my town hall and I bought a porta potty that I put right next to them because that's sanitary and uh, I bought a lighthouse for my coast and just, just buying those little things and just sticking them here and there I got to three stars and then as soon as K.K. Slider came and did his contest I just took everything down because I was like I don't like this this is not how I wanted my island to be I was strong armed <laughs> into doing all this stuff so I, I took down all my walls I took down I dug up all my flower gardens and I I didn't sell all the outdoor stuff that I bought because I, I am going to use it eventually, but I just I picked it all up and I just put it in storage. So now my, my island is pretty barren once again, uh, but I do have the terraforming tool so I am ready to start You know, really turning my island into what I want it to be with pads leading everywhere. And like I'm going to have a shopping district. And I'm going to have my residential district. And then on the left, my western half of my island is going to be semi-nature. I don't know. It's going to be a lot of work. I haven't sat down and really started doing it yet because I, I've been focused on other games. But I am going to reach a point where you know every so often I just want to spend some time in a game like Minecraft or Dragon Quest Builders 2. Animal Crossing is going to fill that niche as well where I just spend a day mm-hmm. just... just Creating stuff just for the relaxment of creation. Uh, so <laughs> uh, that's where my island is at right now. Uh, it's a great game. I, I have not once regretted having to spend time with it, even though it is a game that I, I even if I sit down for like I'm just going to do a quick check in with Animal Crossing. It, it's always an hour plus that I'm I'm spending doing stuff, mm-hmm. and I, I never resent it. It's great. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love it. Um, So I'm glad to hear that putting stuff on your island was doing the trick because that's basically what I've been Um, doing—just littering everything. Um, I did realize too late that uh, I can actually have more villagers than I thought uh, on my island. So you can have up (laughs) to ten. It's uh, quite a few. Yeah, I have to. It was one more than I thought because I was going by the uh, spacing on the map for the villager faces. so I need to rethink that whole housing district again. So I'm probably going to move it all around again anyway. As much as that's going to cost me, um, I think instead of having like a housing district and then uh, I'm definitely going to have a shopping district. I'm going to make it a bit more like rural England, and just have the houses like spaced around and and give them their own like proper space, all fenced off and stuff. Uh, yeah, I need to do some planning around that. But yeah, I I definitely can't wait to get KK to come so I can I can finally get that terraforming tool and sort of mold the island to my will a little bit. Yeah, that was that was about it for mine as well. So, uh, yeah. Okay, Andrew, what are you playing over the coming week?
1: I'm going to carry on with the Trials of Manor remake. There is some cool stuff coming out in the coming week. Like Streets of Rage 4 is coming out. That looks really cool. My eye on yeah. That. Yeah. But uh the, the game I'm picking up is just a, a little boss rush shooter called Gun Crazy. That, that's what I've got my eye on this week.
0: Nice. Uh, I'm just going to keep plugging away at uh, the Donkey Kong Adventure DLC for Mario plus Rabbids and, and Grid uh, while well, I've got the, uh, the enthusiasm for that with the new wheel. Uh, yeah, and then uh, move on to some other things, which I'll talk about in the future.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, it really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with a lively Switch Focus community, and you can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at SwitchFocusPodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. Deals are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Craig Windle, and you can follow him on Twitter at CraigDCraig and at WindmillsAtDawn. If you want to follow us individually, Andy is at Flame Toast and I am at PlayCritically. keeps poking me on the shoulder (laughs) um